What's up, team? Before we head into the episode, I just wanted to take a second to give a special shout out to Just Move. That is my online subscription platform. I have hundreds of workouts over on Just Move, anything from cardio, strength, mobility. We even have other coaches on there. You can do yoga, dance, and so much more. And right now, we have 50% off an annual membership. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to JustMove.com and let's get moving. What's up, team? I'm Kaisa. This is my good friend, Les. Welcome to episode one of our podcast. I'm super excited that you're here, first of all. I'm so pumped to be here. This uh, thank is going to be amazing. So Les, if you guys don't know, runs Balanced Black Girl. Do you want to tell them a little bit? I feel like we're going to dive into me a little bit more, but let's learn just a little bit about you before we kind of start this whole thing off. Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know me and wondering who this mysterious second voice is, my name is Les. I am the host of the Balanced Black Girl podcast, which is a platform all about promoting diversity and wellness. So I typically on my show uh, interview women of color in the wellness space about their different wellness pursuits, but I'm also super excited to be here Doing this show with Kaiza going to be really fun, a bit more conversational, yes. and uh, it's going to be awesome. Team, listen, I am so <laughs> grateful Les is here. She's really the pro. We've been wanting to do this. I think this was an idea for a long time to do a podcast just simply because, you know, when you're watching things on social media and any other curated form, yep. it's not as freestyle. You can't really dive as deep. And so podcast had been kind of our goal for a while, just to be able to deep dive into a little bit more of what I'm doing, what I'm all about, and why I'm really here doing it. So I'm super excited and just grateful to have you here um, guiding this. Real talk, because <laughs> we need your help. Episode one, we'll see how this goes down, but we're excited to dive in. Yes, it's going to be amazing. And I'm so excited that you know your audience is going to get to know you better and that I'm here to ask the questions that everyone's thinking. <laughs> pull it out. Yes, so that I can Good get to luck, know girl. you better <laughs> real time. It's the perfect platform. Amen. Yeah. So, so where are we going to dive in? Let's dive in. Let's let's start with movement because okay. I think for so many people who know you, we know you from the movement space. We know you as Kaiza Fit. We follow along with your workouts or we really enjoy watching you do the workouts while <laughs> we sit and go, oh my gosh, I would die if I tried that. <laughs> But where did that begin? Where did your love of movement begin? Oh, girl. Okay, we just dove right in. <laughs> um, so I've always been a mover. Uh, if my mom was sitting here right now, she would say, like, I came out of the womb ready to move. Like, I was a shark. I would never stop moving, and that's always been my thing. I think for me, movement slowly evolved into this form of self-expression. It was my form of artwork. It, through some really difficult times, became my outlet. It was the way that I always could come back to myself and stay connected with who I was, or if I was really out of touch, could get back connected with who I was. And eventually it turned into sports. I played soccer and track and field ran track at the University of Washington. And then my story really evolves into becoming a trainer because I was super injured at UW and had movement taken away from me and had this moment of, oh, hell no. Movement is my therapy. It's my lifeline. There's no way I'm going to be injured and not moving at 21 years old. What am I going to do? So I became a trainer and then kind of the rest is history from there. Yeah. So I would love to to hear a little bit more about when you started to understand that movement was your form of expression. I could imagine you probably felt that way at a young age, but when were you able to articulate that? 
I don't think so. That's an interesting question. It's growing up. It's kind of odd. I never stuck to a certain sport. So my parents were not pushy at all. And I have this mom. If you would have pushed me in one direction, I probably could have been really good at something. But they never really cared. It was always I just like to move. I like to be challenged by movement. So one year I did swim team. One year I did soccer. I did softball. I basically did every sport every year and never really stuck to anything until high school. And for me, it's hard because I feel like when something's such a piece of you, it's hard to decipher. But movement was always in me. There was never a time when I was not moving. It was always a piece of me. Um, I have undiagnosed ADD, and it was my form of taking care of myself and letting my energy go into something that wasn't negative. Yeah. Uh, and I just kept moving. That was the only thing that I knew, you know, how to do. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have times in your life where you felt tempted to maybe be in a more negative space and movement really saved you? And what oh, was that yeah. like? I mean, how yeah. deep do we want to go right now? Let's movement is okay. <laughs> um, yes, a lot. So growing up, there's four of us siblings and life was, from the outset, life was totally fine. Yeah. I dealt with a lot of inner struggles. And when I went to high school, My freshman year, I fell into a really, really deep, dark space. And for me, I didn't have anybody to turn to. And maybe I just didn't want to turn to anybody. I, you know, whether it was pride, ego, whatever it was. And so I was going through this really, really deep, dark time by myself. And I got to the point where I didn't want to live anymore. And I remember thinking for days and weeks and months and however long that was that choosing to to leave this world was not an option like I just kept thinking about the pain that I would put my mom through and that was not an option so what was I going to do and so it was really the first time that I turned towards a sport and decided to pick one and just put all of my time energy and effort into that so at the time it was soccer and I remember like my freshman year just telling myself if this is the one thing that brings you even an ounce of happiness then that's what you're going to do and 24-7, like, you could not rip that soccer ball away from me. And it wasn't – from the outside, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, she found the sport that she loves. She's so into it, this and that. And it wasn't. It was just literally my lifeline. Yeah. If I didn't have survival. that – It's survival. Yeah. I would not be here. So I think for me, that's where my mindset when it comes to movement is – I think that's probably where it started, and that's it's. I just come from a very different place yeah. um, than where the fitness industry is at right now, or where the majority of the fitness industry is at. But for yeah. me, it saved my life. Yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I would love to talk about the fitness industry a little mm-hmm. bit. So I'm glad that you just touched on that, because especially over the past probably ten years or so, with social media. Fitness is so visual, right? It's so focused on bodies, before and afters, images that we see, flat tummy tees, all of that. And I think so, so much of what people love about you is you are the opposite of that. Like you. You never, that's just not who you are. That's not what you share. Has working in the fitness industry and, and being kind of the the opposite of what such popular messaging is out there, has that been challenging for you? Oh, what girl, that yes. experience? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, just first of all, starting from the very beginning. So yeah. I know this sounds so naive, but 
When I became a trainer, yeah. I literally, I did not want to become a trainer. Like Jillian Michaels was the biggest thing at that time. Yeah. But in my mind, I wasn't, oh, I want to be a personal trainer. I just got certified so that I could heal my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back to school and become a social worker. So I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to work with people. Yeah. I just didn't know in which capacity. Um, and so when I became a trainer, I coached a boot camp. I fell in love with what it meant to get these women moving. Yeah. And so then from there, I started and I was in the industry. It boggled my mind. I don't understand how 99.9% of the people coming through this door are literally just trying to move so they can change the way that they look, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that I'd ever done up until that point was you moved so that you could take your body to some extreme level in like athletics, but it was always this admiration of really fun exploration of what our bodies could do. Yeah. Um, and so that was my relationship with my body. And yeah. so when people were coming in and having this like, yeah, so I want to lose 20 pounds, I want to just do this, this and that to change my body, it was really hard for me to grasp. Yeah. And so from the jump, I, (laughs) this is such like a naive kind of egotistical Kaisa in the beginning, I'd be like, okay, fine. Like you're not the client for me then, Mm -hmm. you know? And like pretty soon I looked around and I was like, cool, I have no clients. So that's (laughs) not the right way to go about things. Um, So I realized I had to change my mindset and my perspective, bring people in no matter which, no matter where you were at when you were coming into movement, I was going to meet you there. Mm -hmm. But I knew in the back of my mind, I don't have any children, but it was like, I kind of felt like the parent. I feel like I know better. I know what they want. In reality, everybody wants to change the way they look because they think that's going to make them happier. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up these environments that welcomes them in no matter where they're at. Well, you'll come in, you'll move for basically, quote unquote, that reason, weight loss, whatever it was. But underneath it all, I'm just going to trick you. We're going to have super fun and exciting goals. We're going to explore what the body can do. And you'll learn to be really, really proud and empowered by this insane you know, I call it a machine, but this body that we get to live in day in, day out. And it's an incredible thing. And learning to be appreciative of that was my goal. Yeah. Classic trainer bait and switch. Hey, I gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) But it definitely, like, that was my thing. I think one of the the biggest turning lessons or turning points for me was you've got to meet people where they're at. You can't have this high and mighty, okay, this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And then if nobody's around and your message doesn't speak to anybody, you're not doing anything positive anyways, Kai says. So that was a really quick learning lesson for me. Wherever you're at, I got you. I got your back. I'll take care of you. Yeah. I think that's a good lesson for life because Mm -hmm. your values and your intentions were totally in the right place with Mm -hmm. that initial action. But just learning that you had to guide people to get to that point um, is is such a valuable lesson that could apply to anything. Definitely. I don't know that I apply it every day, but it did work. (laughs) (laughs) I need to remember that one. It did work in training. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think... um, I think it's something that I still carry with me, you know, and then it eventually things evolved onto social media and this Mm -hmm. and that. I try not to be very overbearing with um, my message all the time because I don't think it resonates with a lot of people, but I try to kind of just lead by example and by my actions and set up environments that people get to really kind of learn how incredible their bodies are. Yeah. And it resonates with the right people and that's Mm, what matters, you know? So let's talk about social media a little bit. So how did you begin to build this incredible brand on social media? What what brought you from doing fitness, doing athletics, becoming a trainer to creating this incredible online brand? Wow. Um, One, it's a lot of luck. Well, I don't believe in luck. I think Oprah is the one that has this good quote, but it's basically like preparation. And when timing is right, you know, it'll be there and the door will open and you'll walk through it. But So for me, I always knew that I wanted to do 
something big in this industry. Yeah. And when I got comfortable and confident in who I was and what I brought to the table, mm-hmm. I realized I wanted my message to be louder. Yeah. This was before social media was even around, though. Yeah, because you were an OG. Yeah, girl, I'm old, okay? <laughs> I've been in this for 11 years now. It was way before social media. The yeah. only platform that was really there was um, Biggest Loser. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, okay, well, I don't know if it's going to be Biggest Loser, but s- there has to be some larger platform. Because as trainers, yeah. we only have a certain amount of hours within totally. the day that we yeah. can speak to people. So in the back of my mind, I was always working towards some type of a platform that would allow my message to be out there. Yeah. On the other side of things, I've always had this mentality of if I'm not happy, mm-hmm. I'm fearless in the risk that I will take mm-hmm. to find my happiness. And so Um, Several years into being a trainer, I had my own business. I was doing really, really well financially, and I was miserable as a human being, absolutely miserable. And I just basically got to the point where I was like, well, this is not going to work. I learned a hard lesson that money isn't everything, Mm -hmm. and I decided to drop my business, and I went back to school, got my master's, because I just was maybe working with athletes is going to be the new spark. But that wasn't the spark. Really what it made me realize was how much I loved working with general population. And so kind of at that time, social media was coming up and everything ended up evolving. But it was not on purpose. Everything was, this is a platform that could potentially speak to more people, even if it was just my friends and family. And then it kind of took off from there. And when I had originally started on social media, I had started with um, one of my good friends who was a teammate with me mm-hmm. at University of Washington. Yeah. And so we kind of started that yeah. and then it evolved into my own. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's such a powerful lesson in that, though, because for so many of us, we stay in situations that are not good for us. Yeah. Having a business that's bringing in lots of money, even though you hate it, like yeah. you still do it because you feel like that's what you're supposed to do. Or yeah. on paper, it's successful. Yeah. And by walking away from that, you've created something that is so much bigger. Yeah. Because you, but it's interesting to yourself. Yeah, but it's interesting because I think it's it. You can really get deep here and start breaking down what you define as success, right? So, for me at that time, it just was a hard lesson that money doesn't buy you happiness. As cliche as it sounds, I was literally miserable. Mm -hmm. And from the outside standards, I was doing great for a 27-year-old young girl. Mm -hmm. And so for me, really quickly, I learned that when my definition of success Mm -hmm. is that every single morning I'm waking up, or damn near every single morning, waking up and doing something that I'm just really passionate about and excited and fulfilled by. And I think that was what kind of steered me in the direction of you may not find it right away, but you need to be in search of it. And being in search of something and like moving towards something. And I say this all the time. My slogan is just move. For me, I moved backwards 10 steps when I went back to school. I was stuck in the internship for five months. I really didn't enjoy it. But in the bigger scope of things, I moved forward so far because it taught me what I did love. And it pushed me in a direction I would never would have gotten to social media. Mm -hmm. The weirdest thing is I'm a very shy, private human being. I never would have gotten on social media. So I think being fearless in knowing who you are in striving for, for me, happiness is one of the biggest, most important things in my life. And knowing that if I'm not happy, then I'm going to be turning in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. But what you said earlier about that fearlessness when it comes to finding happiness, I'm mm. like, let me write that down. Oh, girl, right. That's a good, that's a good, <laughs> right? That's a good nugget, well, right? <laughs> so 
I would also love to talk to you a bit about um, kind of rediscovering getting back into movement after injury, because I think that's something that a lot of people deal with. It's also a big part of your story as well. So what was that journey like for you as someone who movement's been such a big part of your life? If you find yourself injured and maybe can't move the way you normally can or the way that, you know, makes you happy, how do you navigate that? Um, okay, so I'm going to hop over my college injuries because I think one of the biggest turning points in my life was when I broke my leg. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe like four years ago. Mm-hmm. So what I hadn't realized up until that point was injuries are your body's way of saying like, hold up, bitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> calm down. Mm-hmm. You're not listening to me. Yeah. I've been lightly knocking at the door yeah. and now you're not listening. Yeah. So I'm going to break your damn leg. Mm-hmm. So just sit down, literally, physically mm-hmm. sit down. Yep. I think it was four years ago. I was playing in a soccer game. It was a fluke accident. The goalie yeah. kicked me and it broke yeah. my leg. Yeah. I was so depressed and thought my life had ended. At that point in time, it was really early on in social media. I was still kind of trying to train. Like a broken leg was not possible, right? I created videos every day. How is that going to happen? So I just had this lowest low moment. My world was over. And I don't know how many days I was sitting on the couch depressed. And finally, I think I had this moment um, of realizing, like, what are you trying to tell me? What's going on? What are you trying to tell me? And being able to sit there with my body and think deep, it was, you're not taking care of me. I do everything for you. I've done everything for you. You still don't appreciate what I'm doing because one moment, taking it back a notch, when I graduated from college and I was injured, yeah. I didn't really heal myself. Yeah. I wanted to compete still. Yeah. I went into CrossFit, totally wrecked my body. Yeah. And then this accident happened soon after. Yeah. So it was my aha moment yeah. of... I can, you know, basically keep going the route that I'm going and, you know, be broken at 30 years old, or I can listen to what my body needs and I can start taking care of it. So I remember having this moment, I was sitting on the couch with my cast on. I remember just being, you know what, whatever you need from here on out, I got you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to let it get this loud. You don't need to break anything anymore. You will guide what I'm doing movement wise, then fueling wise, and then everything else. You'll guide it. And I just had this connection with my body deeper than anything I'd ever had before and this appreciation for everything that it did. It's until something's taken away from you, it's that thing where you just don't realize how much you need it and appreciate it. So so for me, going back, sorry, that was long-winded, but what it taught me was no matter what I can move. Mm -hmm. So I literally got off the couch in that moment. I think I probably called my brother, like, I need you to get down here and help me. We're going to the gym. (laughs) And I did everything I possibly could on a single leg, upper body, and core. And I was like, this is not stopping me. I can still move. I can still take care of myself. But at the end of the day, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I'm going to get more connected to you. And what you need from now on is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So something that I've heard a lot of women say is, I want to listen to my body, but I don't know how. Mm -hmm. How do I know what my body needs? I'm scared to slow down because I'm scared of either gaining weight or losing progress or whatever. I think that that's a very big fear for a Mm. lot of people. So if someone is struggling to be able to listen to their body and understand what their body needs, what advice do you have for them? Well, that's really hard because it's a personal thing, but I always have this mantra, which is hilarious because I'm wearing it right now. You are. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have the I am more than my body. Oh, um, yeah. And it stands for a lot of things mm-hmm. for me, which eventually we'll probably deep dive into. But yeah. I think one thing is if you dig a little bit below those, those layers, yeah. a lot of the fear is what you'll look like, right? Mm-hmm. So if you slow down, if you've always been anal about your movement and how much you move and what you eat and you know all that if you kind of dive a little bit deeper it's 
basically so that you control everything and life and so that you look a certain way. And so for me, one of the processes of slowing everything down was being okay with just who I was. And when our bodies are in their natural state and we're moving relatively often and we're taking care of them and we're eating relatively well and sleeping, our natural state is Mm -hmm. where our bodies want to be. Yep. It's not media standards. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, not anything we've been taught, but it's when our body is the most, is the healthiest. And so I think learning to start developing that relationship, Mm -hmm. that's a muscle that we have to work anyways. You know, as we go to the gym and work muscles, that's another muscle. But it's really having the mantras that kind of snap you out of it and remind you um, being grateful for this body is the most important thing. Yeah. And I know this sounds so weird. I talk to my body as if it's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I know this sounds super weird, but it's like, I it's think, not weird at all. Think yeah. about how many people talk to their bodies like it's their enemy. I totally. mean, and pick it apart. Amen. You're doing the reverse. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for saying that last. Yeah. I'm always out. Do I say this out loud? But so I always have this thing. One, the thoughts that you think your body's hearing them, whether Absolutely. you say them out loud or not. Yep. And so my thing is, our negative self talk is not going to go away 100. percent But yep. my goal is, how fast can I turn it around? Yep. So it's always been. There's always negative things. I mean, I grew up genetically muscular my entire life until I was a good enough athlete that people were, well, she's just an athlete. That's why she looks like this. I was like, you look like a dude. That's how I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I had to be okay with my body. And so what I learned early on was, yeah, my arms are bigger than yours and my legs are bigger than yours, but I can run faster than you. So my body became this thing where I quickly tried to turn it into a positive. And that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. It's not eliminating negative self-talk. It's never going to fucking happen. Like, just how quickly can you start turning it around? And if you have something negative, can you replace it with something positive? And working that muscle, honestly. You've got to work it every single day. Mm -hmm. And I still do. Yeah. Every single day. It's totally a muscle. And I think even for some people, if they are really struggling with body image, even getting to a point where you are body neutral, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're just not even not consumed by negative thoughts about your body, Mm -hmm. just getting to like a neutral state. Mm -hmm. And then from neutral, getting to positive, like taking those steps. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point, right? Getting to neutral would be a huge success Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. But also cutting ourselves some slack. As women, we are from the moment we are in this world, we are embedded with this is what you guys should look like. This is your worth. We are literally told that our worth is wrapped up in what we look like. Mm -hmm. And so detangling that and letting that go is a long ass process and being okay with the ups and downs of that process is something that's really important but I think it's also like being real about it every single day I'm working on love your body love your body love your body you're more than your body you're more than your body and so it's still a process until probably I die you know Absolutely. It's ongoing for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But I think people appreciate getting to hear that because people might look at someone like you who's like, oh my gosh, she's so fit. She can do all this cool stuff. She must never worry about that. And it's yeah, cool. But this is the thing. (laughs) Come talk to me in fifth grade. You know, it's like we all have our struggles at different times in life. And I was miserable growing up being considered basically one of the dudes. And in middle school, when you're like the most sensitive and, you know, self-aware that you could possibly be, then the last thing I needed was because of the way that I looked, which I had no control over, I was then considered a dude. Mm -hmm. Strong is beautiful was not a thing back then. We didn't even have athletes. Mia Hamm eventually became somebody that we could look up to, but there were not, there were no athletes. There was nothing that I could look to. Not a single soul around me looked like me. 
Yeah. And I, in that moment, had to be like, okay, but you're different, Kaisa, and you can do all these things. Yeah. And so when you're beating the guys in all these different sports and, and the girls, you've got to learn some respect for your body. And yeah, it looks like that, but look at all the badass things that it's doing. So yeah. it was this message for me. Your body is so much more than what it looks like. Absolutely. Like, why are yeah. we summing it up to that? Totally. And especially as females, we are so much more powerful. We are so much more brilliant. We are so much more intelligent than just this thing that carries our soul. Exactly. Mad love to this thing that carries my soul. Yeah. But I am a lot more than that. Totally. And yeah. I, I always say, when I used to work in fitness and I had clients who would worry about that, I would say, how your body looks is the least interesting thing about Amen. you. How we look in general Amen. is the least interesting thing about Amen. us. Yeah. Amen. But until yeah. we believe that, yeah. until we say that to ourselves yeah. time and time again, you know, nobody else will believe it. And, and honestly, I've gotten to the point, I don't care what anybody else believes or says, you know? Like, I'm relatively comfortable with who I am. Yeah. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Kaisa, like, what is next for you? Ooh. What do we have to look forward to? <laughs> uh, well, it changes day by day. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me is putting movement out there yeah. and, like, putting really um, accessible movement out there. Yeah. A lot of what – it's kind of fascinating because a lot of what I've done on social media is my journey in fitness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But below it all, like, my passion, I'm a trainer. Yeah. That's my thing. Like, mm-hmm. my goal, I want to get the world to move. Yeah. And so meeting everybody where they're at, yeah. creating content, programs, whatever it is that meets people and brings them into movement is definitely my number one goal and has been for a long time. And I think that's the most important thing. All the other, you know, extracurricular yeah. things that happen are is icing on the cake. Yeah. But my number one focus and my number one goal is getting everybody up off the couch and moving. Amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing goal. Thank you. And then more conversations here on this podcast. Oh, my where gosh. We dive into fun stuff. Which I'm so excited <laughs> about. And which I feel like we should have this open channel, whether you DM me, yeah. team, or whatever you want. But yeah. Um, Les and I are really down to kind of deep dive into any discussion that needs to be happening. We have a few that we definitely know that we want to talk about, but send us your questions. Yeah. And topics. Yeah. For sure. We're excited. I don't know. I'm excited for you guys to get to see another or hear another side of me. So we'll see what happens. Yes. Yeah. It's, they're going to love it. Hopefully. (laughs) If you don't, I apologize. Amen. Amazing. That wraps first episode. I think it does. High five, team. Team, thank you so much for being a part of the Kaisa Fit Podcast. And a major thank you to my girl, Les, from Balanced Black Girl Podcast, for making this dream a reality. You can go check us out at kaisafit.com. And if you have a moment, leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is new, and I would love to hear what you think. Thanks again for joining us.